Hello, welcome to another episode of the Aleph Zero podcast, during which we we'll look into the ecosystem funding program. I'm Matraczyński and I'll be your host, and I'll be joined by Magda Oleksy, the ecosystem lead, and Piotr Moczurat, ecosystem tech lead. They have been overseeing this project, vetting candidates and providing them with all the support they need to build their projects on Aleph Zero network. And we are recording this just past the ETH Warsaw, which was quite an important event for us. So guys, how it's been? We can start with you, Magda. It's been great. We've been, it's like our second time we, we, we go to Warsaw for ETH. And um, absolutely, this is one of the best events uh, in Poland when it comes to, to the industry. So like starting from some silly things such as the building, uh, the venue of the conference, which is a beautiful building of the Polytechnics in Warsaw, through things such, I don't know, great food and coffee and just it all adds up, creating a beautiful atmosphere for networking, for meeting new uh, new people, new projects. So again, we were um, super happy with, uh, with the conference. So also big thumbs up for, for the organizers. And this year was special because we decided that instead of having an Aleph Zero booth during the event, we want to focus a bit more on our ecosystem, on the projects that we accepted to, uh, to the EFP that we are working with. And we decided to have an ecosystem booth. And how it worked is that we had, I think, eight teams that joined us uh, throughout the whole event. And they were just simply rotating and, and having turns by the booth. And the whole idea was just to, you know, give them some exposure, give them possibility to actually meet new people, meet um, new projects, uh, meet each other, meaning other builders um, from the ecosystem. Because, I mean, they are from different countries, different cities in Poland as well. So they don't have that many opportunities to actually meet meet each other in, in person. So that was, I think, a, a great option for them. And it worked out well, I think. I mean, everybody was was happy. Some of the projects, you know, are at a still pretty early stage. So they cannot uh, either afford traveling to conferences or simply they just don't want to focus on that yet because it's too early. So if we, if we make it possible for them, I think it's a great opportunity to actually start talking about the project to people and 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 get some exposure. So, um, so that was definitely um, a nice uh, thing about ETH. And also another thing is that this year we organized the opening party called Zero Proof, and that was another I think success because apart from um, sharing the booth with our ecosystem projects, we also invited them to the party. And we invited them, obviously, not just to have a drink, but we invited them to prepare something special for people who came to the party. So they prepared some competitions, some games, so that people could even win something, get some swag, and, and also talk to the builders. So I think that was, uh, that was a, a good idea. And definitely, we are planning to repeat that. So uh, every time we are going to, to a conference where we actually have booth, uh, then we want to invite some projects from from the EFP to stay there with us and and meet people and and you know get uh, um, get that experience because I think attending events it's it's a very interesting and and needed experience as well if you want to stay in the in the industry. So all in all, ETH Warsaw I think it's it's one of my favorite events and we I think we the, the whole team really liked it. I don't know Peter, did you like it? Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely. heard it was packed there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, one of the one of the best events. But actually, what I liked the most was the hackathon because I think this year the teams went just above and beyond, and we've we've seen some of the best submissions, both in terms of like the sheer number of them, but also in terms of quality and well usability and usefulness. So can I tell you quickly about the yeah, project? Yeah, please do. Amazing. So the winners were the team behind the Smart Beaver, as they called it. And uh, it's simply a, let's call it a creator or like a no-code solution for, for creating ink smart contracts. So you basically, you know, something you can see also in, for example, Open Zeppelin. Uh, you can basically choose your token type, say PSP22, and then choose some some additional properties, and the creator will generate the code for you, and you can just paste it into into your project or choose to build it there and just download the artifacts. Anyway, very very helpful for you know yeah, both and beginners and when we spoke earlier, you said that also the code quality was really great there, right? Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Especially for like what two day hackathon. Yes, definitely. It's it's amazing how much they can b get done in in just you know a little over two days. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. All right. So so what were the other projects? Oh yeah. The second place was uh, called TCP, which uh, the acronym is actually a bit uh, funny in Polish, but uh, yeah, let's say it's a smart contract control drink dispenser. So you know the guys use the Raspberry Pi because this year we've had this idea of providing uh, some of the hardware so that the teams can can do some very fun and tangible projects. And it actually paid off because, uh, yeah, they used the Raspberry Pi. They bought like a small pump, liquid pump, and basically built a drink dispenser, uh, which they then subsequently used to serve drinks to all of the other participants, which was kind of uh, kind yeah. of a nice touch. Sounds awesome. We, we should definitely use that in the future. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The next party, I think we should, we should just invite them for, you know. Yeah, smart contract party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we will. I already reached out to them, yeah. We wanna we wanna license this. All right. So this is the second one, and uh, what were the others? Oh sure. Uh, we also had this basic the idea of token gating Discord channels. You know, if you're a holder of a certain of a certain token, then you can get in, uh, which is which is super useful, and we definitely uh, want that in in the in the ecosystem. And then. Uh, this app called Handshake, which is used to basically boost social interactions uh, on events such as ETH Warsaw by rewarding you for basically uh, having real-life person-to-person interactions. And in terms of like just the hackathon attendance and Aleph Zero bounties, how popular was Aleph Zero there? Oh, I think it was the, the most popular project. And not only, you know, by virtue of having the highest bounty... Uh, but but also the number of submissions was uh, we we've had eleven submissions out of forty projects total. So if you do like a quick you know uh, statistical averaging, we were definitely above average uh, for a project, which is great. And you know I think this is this is part of our our basically brand in Poland. Uh, we are recognized by pretty much everyone in Poland. So yeah, it's it's great to see that. Yeah, and uh, we actually had a success story the last time at, at ETH Warsaw, right? We had A0ID, and I think Synchra also came from the last ETH Warsaw, wasn't it? Actually, I, I believe Synchra was Hack on Chain oh, in yes. Berlin, and A0ID was, yes, was the project Yeah, but, but definitely, like, hackathons are, you know, the place where you can find really good teams, which would then, you know, produce some, some nice 
projects. Uh, so how did they actually transition like uh, from hackathon entry to en enrolling into EFP and then as ASIO did it uh, in the recent weeks and launching successfully on the mainnet. So what were the steps they, they went through with us? Oh yeah, uh, I can I can tell you about the first part. So like from the hackathon to to an actual submission, and then Magda probably can yeah. explain much better about the about the rest. So in both cases, basically the teams had a had a really good idea from the start. Um, of course, every time a team starts building something on a hackathon, we really encourage them to to discuss the idea with us so that we can you know uh, f fine tune it. But uh, both teams actually had really great ideas from from the get go and which actually didn't require that much fine-tuning by us. So yeah, you know, then they proceed to build the project. And when the judgment day comes at the hackathon, we ba we've basically seen two, well, in case of Azure ID and Syncra, uh, amazing submissions that we immediately could see how, how you know, you can turn that into a fully functioning product. And uh, it was pretty obvious that the, that the teams had great, you know, both coding skills, but also like execution and, uh, and business skills. So we then basically encouraged the projects to to check out the ecosystem funding pro uh, project program, sorry, and uh, and apply there. And uh, this is where this is where Magda comes in with her magic. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Magda, how do you work your magic? But so so basically, what we uh, have after the hackathon is that we know that the team is talented, that the team can produce quality content, probably has some nice idea for the product and then uh, what should they do? Yeah, so well, basically the process afterwards is pretty much the same for all the teams. So it doesn't have to be a team that comes from Hackathon. Although if it does, then the the added value is that we have already met the team and we've talked to them and, and we see that they have potential, they have their talented team and they are capable of, of you know, of, of delivering some interesting projects. But, but, but then anyways, cutting out the, the, the hackathon part and then the process is basically the same, meaning that the project, the team has to fill out the application form. What is most important for us in there is the description of the project, obviously, and the division into milestones, so the roadmaps of what they are going to work on, what is the scope, how they will be delivering the project, so 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 the set milestones, and and then obviously the grant um, that they need, and possibly some other things that they may need from us, because as um, probably was said before and, and, and is also written in the description of our EFP, EFP focuses not only on grants, but mainly on just incubating the pro pro projects and, and supporting them on many different levels. So, so once we get the application, we know what they are looking for, we know what is their plan, what they want to deliver. We just um, have the grant committee meeting, we discuss it with, with a, in a broader team, and then we either simply accept the project because everything in there looks great and we agree with everything or to be honest more often we just have a meeting with the team we have we give them our feedback sometimes together with them we decide on some sl small changes in the scope maybe we suggest something maybe together we decide to um, to add something extract something and so on and so forth and once we agree on the final shape of the project then the grant agreement is signed and and the project can can start and and we obviously are there to support it um so so that's the standard process with the projects um, that we discussed so with a0 id 
for example, that our job was was easy because they had a precise idea that they came in uh, with at the hackathon. Uh, so so later on, they just you know they just added some things into uh, into it. We had a discussion with them. We gave our feedback. There were a couple of tweaks and changes, and and that's it. And and then we could just you know observe them and have our hearts grow because AZRID is like extremely talented and hardworking team. So also this year was special because AZRID team was there with us at the booth, and um, they were after the mainnet launch, which happened around two weeks ago. So they could you know, tell about their project and and actually show it to, to, to people and show it to, to the community. And also they were with us during the hackathon, meaning that there were people actually using their technology to build something. They were like mentoring the people, they were giving bounties. So in a year from just, you know, some young hackers with an idea, they went through the whole path and the whole, whole journey to become you know, the, the hackathon mentors. So this was like really great to see. And we really hope that, you know, they just, they were the first ones to go through this path, but there will be more projects succeeding and, and blooming like they did. So so that was definitely a highlight of the event. Yeah, we need more more of teams like that. Absolutely. So, so we get the snowball effect, basically. Mm, but I also wanted to touch upon the question that some of the community members might have uh, and that's to you Piotr like what do we get from uh, all those hackathons hackathons that we are participating in or we are you know uh, sponsoring the bounties and and so on what's our goal here uh, because it's more than just you know getting projects to apply to AFP or having anything built oh definitely definitely um, well so First of all, it's it's a great opportunity for for developers and and teams to to just play with a zero, right? Uh, it's uh, not yet about about business, about revenue. It's just about having fun with the code and seeing what cool things you can you can do with the a zero blockchain. Mm -hmm. Actually, the first thing they notice is, damn, this is fast. <laughs> like uh, it's it's really useful for the yeah. devs and um, yeah, so. This is one thing, right? And it's a very, I would say it's a very organic way to to build a community and to reach out because, you know, uh, one thing is going like one biz dev team to another and then the deals are made and so on. This is, uh, of course, yeah, amazing. But like for me as a, as a developer or, well, former developer, whatever, it's really, you know, heartwarming to see how we can do this bottom up and, uh, and engage devs and engage, you know, young people and... Uh, just show them cool stuff and then they them showing us cool stuff that they built using the technology that we work on so uh it's this great great synergy and uh yeah definitely worth investing in in hackathons yeah and they they also have the opportunity to showcase what what they've got right what are they their skills oh yeah definitely also it's it's actually great for for the teams to form, right? So you're gonna have great devs, you're gonna have great designers, you're gonna have great, I don't know, even salesmen. And they, you know, otherwise they might not have met one another. And this way they they meet and they come up with an amazing project. So uh, yeah, and also probably what what you meant here is that, for example, you could have I don't know four different teams building projects on hackathon, but then after the hackathon, maybe they form you know the fifth one and then. Oh yeah, build, build something really successful, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that's a, that's a recurring theme that uh, we try to basically unite, not divide, right? So yeah. uh, it's good for the teams to support each other. And if we will see that basically two people will benefit from from forming one team, then then awesome, right? It's going to be yeah. better than the sum of its parts. It's kind of like a networking event for people interested in Aleph Zero and, you know, where they can already show their skills, right? Before they yeah go out yeah pretty much with the with their stuff all right so let's switch gears a bit and check in on what the efp has been up to recently magda huh, yeah so we've been working hard i think because uh, there's like you know there's so many applications and so many interesting projects that it's not an easy job to choose what the best ones or, or the ones that are the best for the ecosystem. Maybe that's a better way to, to put it. Um, so we launched the EFP, I think, what was it, April? April. Yeah. Right. So now it's been six months. Um, and during that time, we have received, I actually counted that prior to the podcast, but because I have already lost count, but uh, we received nearly 200 applications. Um, so 200 different projects. So, um, you know, you, you can imagine that being a team of like, you know, the, the, the grant committee consists of like eight people. And then obviously we have some industry experts advising us and so on. So everybody has to read the application, go through that. We have a lot of discussions. Uh, we have a lot of feedback giving sessions and so on. So uh, after all that, out of those 200, we have accepted 35 projects to the EFP. So currently there are 35 projects building. And even though we obviously keep on getting new applications, uh, we also try to focus quite a lot on the currently building projects because they, they require our support and, and our attention as well. So now, you know, it's, 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 it is busy because we have new projects, we have existing projects that are building, but, but it's all very inspiring and, and very interesting. And it's definitely, as I said, not an easy job to choose the projects that will finally be, be accepted. But what is interesting is that, you know, the further we go, the, I mean, maybe not the easier it gets, but the better we understand what is needed for the ecosystem the better we understand how to talk to the teams and, you know, what support they need as well. And um, and also uh, we, we learned that sometimes there are some great teams and, you know, we, we are looking for great projects, but we are also looking for great and talented teams. And what I mean by that is that sometimes, we'll, and it doesn't happen that rarely, that there is an interesting application from a great team, but the project itself even though it's it's okay, it's not really something that is super needed in the ecosystem right now. So also what happens is that we don't reject that team from DFP. Sometimes we just jump on a call and have a discussion and sometimes we stick to the team, but we just suggest maybe a different project or together with them, we decide, you know, how to shape it up. And this applies also to like, you know, the hackathon talk that you had before, because we also get some applications from the teams that participated in the hackathon. They didn't win any prizes unlike A0ID or Syncra that we mentioned, but they were there. And then they come back with an application of something completely different and the, the application get accepted. So we did have 
those cases as well. So yeah, so so to sum up, uh, a lot is happening. We constantly get uh, new applications. We are also working with the teams that are already accepted in the EFP. And we hope to proceed that way. I mean, it's further into the program as we already have those 35 projects. Um, we are a bit more selective maybe because we, we do want to have a variety of projects uh, in the EFP. But but yeah, but we are still looking for some gems in there. Yeah. I don't know, Pete. I think uh, from technical perspective, maybe some insights from the gem hunting. Oh yeah. Um, well, one point to make is that what we do is you know it's it's a very conscious shaping of the ecosystem, and it's not all about DeFi, right? Because you think smart contracts and uh, you immediately think DeFi, but uh, we're going a little broader than that because we also try to take care of our developers because, uh, you know, for example, Inc. Is a, is a pretty new ecosystem, so we are trying to somehow give back and also have teams building great tooling for developers. One example from the top of my head uh, would be this static analysis tool for smart contracts. So basically the idea is that you run it and it tells you, you know, whether your contract has any security vulnerabilities, right? So of course this is not an audit, but uh, this is something incredibly helpful and actually can teach you to become a better developer as mm -hmm. a result. So yeah, uh, actually the, the, the smart beaver that came to be at the hackathon, well, that's, that's an example of great developer tooling that uh, fingers crossed is gonna be in the EFP soon. We'll yeah, tooling is especially important, right? Because in Solidity, you have everything uh, because it's so popular. Uh, maybe I'm oh, wrong yeah. because you're looking at me like I'm wrong. No, oh, no, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, you you so, do have everything. So you have, you have everything there. And in Inc., we kind of have to recreate that, right? So Yeah, I mean, but parts of that. Parts of so, that. Some of it is not needed because yeah, Inc. is, uh, well, different. I'm not going to say better, but it's, it's, it's a bit different. Yeah, it has some advantages and, you know. But yeah, so so you guys are getting all the milestones from the teams. So where are we with most of them in terms of the development? The development? You're looking at me. Okay. Yeah. Mm, well, development. So obviously, uh, some of the teams are, well, one of the teams has already launched to mainnet, the fantastic A0 ID. Shout out to them. Uh, we also have some projects that are being audited right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have some projects that are either launched to testnet already or are, are getting ready to launch. So like, for example, ABAX, the landing protocol, is live on testnet. Can tell us like the order of magnitude there? Is it like three teams, four teams, at the, like close to being on the testnet? Yeah, something like that. All right. And uh, I, I think the thing to keep in mind here is that basically smart contracts, but especially DeFi applications, are not something you want to rush, right? Of so course. It's not like an e-commerce site that you can say, okay, okay, let's let's have this out on, on production soon. Here, you really need to be, you know, conscious, diligent, and uh, don't yeah. make any shortcuts. Basically. Oh yeah, no shortcuts, definitely. All right, so yeah, it's good to hear because some of the projects actually in the EFP didn't, they don't go through the testnet and audit phase, right? Some like for example, tooling, we just need to. Have that right? Oh yeah. Well, that that of course depends on on what's the nature of the of the project. If you know, if it's just like a, I don't know. Yeah, if some tooling for developers doesn't necessarily have to go through an audit. And there are also the teams that are doing really the heavy lifting, right? Like Darkverse. So it's oh yeah, it's it it will take some time to build the full product, right? They will have the demo earlier, I think, Q3 
21, 24. Oh yeah, well what they do is basically creating a whole you know, world, a whole yeah. universe. So it's so, yeah. yeah, good thing. They, but if you look at the time. team behind it, they, they do know how to build games and how to yeah. tell stories. So especially it's, it's going to be amazing. Uh, this thing. So, so yeah, we really look, are looking forward to having Darkverse on, on, on the mainnet or even testnet. Uh, I'll just, I'll an, just actually settle for a demo I can play. Yeah. Ah, that's not main. Let me play. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go to the actual help that projects are going are getting in the EFP. So, in concrete terms, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know we talk a lot about the different levels of support and how important that is but but it actually is so so yeah. that definitely needs some underscoring here because i mean grant programs are popular let's say many different projects give give grant programs but how we structured it is that obviously grants are there because the teams need some funds they they are early on their way so so they need financial support but what we believe is even more important than just money is First of all, the expertise that we can share with them, the expertise like our, because we obviously went through that from zero to hero, uh, maybe not hero yet, but hopefully on the way there. But we did go through that way ourselves as a project. Uh, so we at least obviously that's, it's a very dynamic industry and many things change, but there are some things that don't and, and there are some, you know, things that people can avoid, um, that people can do better or do more and so so if we have that advice we we share that with the teams we have some industry experts uh, that can share their knowledge as well in different verticals so that can be useful as well and apart from that expertise and that's you know mentoring uh, per itself we also have a network of partners who help uh, who help the project so whether they need, for example, um, some brainstorming about the product or they need um, some technical discussions. So that can be done either by our team, so the LF0 team, or, for example, we can connect them with, let's say, Properly Studio, who are a great uh, design studio helping with branding, with designs, with product design uh, and so on. We have uh, serotonin that can help when it comes to marketing and to PR um, and, and, and can advise uh, in that field. We work with Kudelski Security when it comes to security audit. We are in the AWS Activate program, which allows the projects to get some free credits for the AWS, right? So, so those are some precise things that, that we bring to the table. Obviously, I mean, different projects need different things. So before we um, suggest, you know, what, what, what's the best for them, uh, we have a discussion, we discover what they need. And, and obviously, they don't need everything at, at once. At the beginning, they usually have just discussions with our team. Then when the code is ready, we reach for the audits. Then when the product is like close to launching, then we have serotonin jumping in, for example, or our marketing team as well helping out. So, so you know, so so it is there. And we think that, like, you know, if you if you add up those things, those services, those like ways of supporting them, it all together is is equally important, if not more important than the grant 
itself. And uh, and what we also do, you know, we want to just look at ourselves, at our project, and we, we, we try to find the things that help us on the way. So even initiatives such as uh, the ecosystem booth at ETH Warsaw, right? That was something that we think, okay, so this is a great way to to give some exposure to the projects and, and you know, make them also meet other builders, which is super important as well. So we also organize things like that, some maybe Twitter spaces or um, some, when it comes to marketing, some some short uh, announcements and, and stuff like that. Podcasts, I think they were like, for example, yes. we had some projects, right? So uh, more to come uh, for sure in the future. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, so all, all the things together, I think that hopefully creates like, you know, a nice uh, bag of tools and that that will help them actually build the project so it's somewhat an incubator right and i think it's important to also note the context of it right because the founders are what mostly like in general it's not a secret that crypto is attracting mostly young younger generations right yeah and no, they need that yeah exactly i mean obviously it doesn't mean that everybody who applies it's just young and unexperienced but there are teams like that like building their first project um, so, so there, the, the help is really needed because they just, you know, they, for example, they know the tech site great and they, they're able to write amazing code or like great white papers and have great ideas. But when it comes to the business side, you know, they, they just don't know where to start from. So in those cases, the help is definitely needed. But also we have some maybe experienced, uh, teams that come from maybe slightly different, uh, industry or, they have built um they have built a product some time ago but maybe now they want to change something in that because it wasn't very successful and now they need some new you know inspiration some different approach so so yeah and 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 as i said the the industry is very tricky and very dynamic and it's still pretty new so so i think if a project wants to succeed it's you know it can be it can be slightly hostile and, and difficult so i think the support and and some people who deal with the same things on, on every everyday life, it, like every day and, and, and went through the same path. I think that, that that's really needed and helpful. Yes. And long term, what we are probably aiming to do here is uh, basically helping them in founding successful startups, right? Who will then bring traffic, bring more users to Aleph Zero. So. Yeah, obviously, obviously. And, and we really want them to succeed because, you know, building a product just to build it and that's it. I mean, nobody needs that. So, so we actually want them to to be visible and and especially gain users and be used by people. Okay, and with all this help, what has been the result of uh, of this uh, so far? Are there any particular use cases that you'd like to mention here? Well, I I kind of already did actually, but definitely. Uh, well, so. Once again, A0ID launched on the mainnet, and uh, the reception has been quite great. And it's a great product. Like I, I've tried using it. It's uh, super seamless, super easy. Even in terms of Web2, web two, right? But yeah, let's stop maybe shilling A0ID. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can, we can actually shill our own chain. It's, yeah. it's basically, in terms of Web2, yeah, it's, it's basically as fast as Web2 solutions, uh, which, is, which is great. Uh, so yeah, like mentioned previously, ABAX launched on the testnet, but also uh, in a completely different area. Uh, Interlock's Threads Layer uh, plugin now has uh, 40,000 users, which grew from 3,000. And um, 
And yeah, this is this is great. Uh, you know, when basically our our ecosystem uh, projects user base grows, our user base grows, uh, yes. which is great. Which Especially is great. like Interlock getting to forty k, and when other real users or at least wallets is at, at like nearing 70k that's really a lot and it's definitely not only other zero users right so oh yeah so they will come yeah i'm actually you you cannot see me but i mean you matt you can but i'm wearing a thread slayer shirt right now shout yes. out to my man andrew from interlog thank you for the shirt <laughs> um yeah. that's a cool shirt yes it is um magda you take it away yeah, I don't wear this shirt, but I do have it as well. So I confirm it's a great shirt. <laughs> yeah, and um, when it comes to results, what else? I mean, um, a, a lot of startups are right now also either raising or they have closed a pre-seed or seed rounds. Uh, so this is an important milestone as well. Beyond the EFP, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, because, you know, the grants are there, but but obviously you cannot build the whole product and then push it further with just a grant. So obviously at eventually the, the, the seed rounds are needed because, you know, what we aim to do with EFP is to give the, the teams tools to, to build something that later on can be, you know, gain users and, and be good enough to, to, to organize the, the funding grants. So, so a lot of, of projects are, are going through that right now. And also what is important maybe, and we didn't mention that before, we help with that as well. So we do have Piotr in our team, not this Piotr sitting next to me, but another one who, who is helping with, with the contacts and introductions to different VCs and, and you know, advising on how to build your pitch deck properly and, and stuff like that. So in that area, we provide help as well. And um, and what else? I think what is also important, and we are super proud of that, is that the builders are actually starting to work together. So I think we have built a pretty solid group of of builders that support each other. That you know they plan how to use their products together. You know how to connect them and so on. So so every team that is accepted to the EFP is then automatically added to we have like a telegram group for all the builders so everybody's added there and we see that the group is really you know growing and being super active so so we see that connection and 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 some hopefully you know some contacts that will last longer than just a couple of months in the efp but but we see a lot happening there and, and this is you know this is great and this is super important because also one of the reasons why we created the efp is the growth of the ecosystem and by you know, connecting people together, we think that should allow that. Yeah, like anything that the Aleph Zero Foundation does, it's basically, foundation is obliged to, you know, to grow the ecosystem, right? But beyond that, uh, what what does the EFP bring to the ecosystem? Of course, growth, but uh, in what specific ways? Okay, yeah, real talk time. Yeah, let's do the real talk. It's come to that, okay. Well, basically... Our job is to kind of look and look for and select projects that bring real value to the ecosystem. And, you know, like uh, this is going to sound like a terrible cliche, but like change the world for the better. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's it's not like just maximizing revenue or, or stuff like that, but but really the, about the, the value added. And um, yeah, so another thing is basically 
we are looking for more than just copies of projects from other ecosystems. So of course, uh, you know, if, if something has been successful on another chain, chances are it's going to be successful on our chain as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is a very good source of inspiration. But actually, with our chain, it's quite unique value proposition. You can make it into something even more, into something yeah, even better. Yeah, you can take better. a project from other ecosystem and then build it here, and then turns out it's better here, right? Yeah, essentially. Other than that, we we really try to to listen to the community. Because uh, there's, you know, one thing what we think is uh, is beneficial for the ecosystem, for the network, for the users, and uh, another thing is, well, some sometimes, oftentimes they align, but we also try to like listen to the community's voice, like you know what yeah. they need, uh, what what is what is actually what is wanted also. Okay, so this is like listening to the community and getting uh, their feedback on on what is needed here. So of course. Uh, even if it's not visible at first, uh, there, it's definitely it will be visible as, as the projects uh, come into light, right? Oh yeah. Uh, and beyond that, uh, when it comes to just the code base, I know you've been preaching that a lot—the open source parts of the submissions. Oh yes, uh, this is this is actually one of the requirements. Uh, so we have a set of, well, let's say guidelines or even rules when it comes to uh, well, well, delivering the project, uh, submitting the, the code base. So we require the, the projects to make their code bases open source. And mm -hmm. uh, especially when it comes to smart contracts, right? Because uh, if I, as a user, want to interact with a contract, I definitely want to be able to, to read its code. It's, you know, like when you think about uh, entering in a, like a, contract the legal contract you definitely want to read it yeah but you need to be a developer for that but just the case that it's open source it's it, it means that other developers can De definitely yeah can do that. you can ask your developer friend or you know you can you can check on some online forum or or discord yeah. uh, someone already has read that right if there was a i don't know a backdoor or, or, or a red flag uh then they would they would notice it and of course we we do trust our projects and they are great teams, but uh, it's a part of a larger good practice and something yes. we basically want to inspire other teams to do as well. Yeah, because like, Zero is also open source, right? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, and, and very transparent. Yeah. And beyond that, what if for any reason they can't really go open source or at least not at the beginning? Well... So the, the open source requirement is basically for launching on mainnet. Mm -hmm. um, so before that, it's it's okay to keep the code closed source, like cards close to your chest. Yeah. Uh, and also, like I said, this is this is mainly about the smart contracts, right? The smart contracts will end up being public on the chain anyway. Um, so it's not like by making them secret, you're gaining any uh, business edge or, or something like that. If you also have like some Web2 logic, uh, then I think it's it's okay to keep that closed source. I mean, ideally, everything would be open source because that's the most transparent way. But uh, yeah, this is especially important for smart contracts. Yeah, but the open source paradigm is also important for learning, right? The other projects oh, oh, can yeah. learn from what's been built. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can use this as a as a source of inspiration, as a, you know, a source of a, as a learning opportunity to, to see the good practices. Especially if ink is early still. Yes. 
Okay, so we know what EFP is all about, how it works, and what were the projects we supported so far. And what's, what's on the horizon? Like, what are the plans for the futures for the program? Mm, well, I mean, for now, the, the program continues. I mean, we, we are still uh, getting some new applications, reviewing them, and, and looking for some brilliant projects. However, like we, as, as I might have mentioned before, we really want to focus on the projects that are already in the EFP, so the 35 projects that are currently building. So uh, for now, we are switching our focus a bit to, to the, the projects that are accepted because as we, as, we, as we said, there are many things that they need support with and we want to make sure that we have enough time and and just capacity to give them that time to to give them the mentoring and uh, that they need so uh, so we we closed two cohorts of, of of applications of new projects and that adds up to those 35 projects i mean we still are going to as i said we are still going to accept new projects maybe a bit less of them because uh, first of all as i also said before we became a bit more selective meaning that we don't want to have if we have already let's say, for example, two landing protocols that are currently being built, we don't want to have five more uh, before at least those two go to mainnet and, and we, we are sure that, you know, they can just go for, forward on their own. So uh, if somebody comes to us with an application of, you know, very interesting projects, something that brings incredible value to the ecosystem, uh, or if that's an, you know, infrastructure or tooling that is needed for our builders, or if it's crucial for the growth of one of the verticals. I mean, we are always open for that kind of project. So our support will be there. In the future, probably we will change a little bit the EFP and convert it into venture program, meaning that as Aleph Zero Foundation will be investing in the new projects rather than just giving grants, uh, just to make sure that the program is sustainable. And also we are planning to uh, launch a mini-grant program that will be uh, more widespread, meaning that we'll just be giving more smaller grants than just, you know, two, three big grants to, to, to the pro projects. Because now, as you probably saw on our website, we have three tier, tiers of grants. So there are like small, medium and, and big grants. So we want to focus on smaller ones to be able to give support to bigger number of, of teams. And what is definitely not going to change is, you know, the, the incubation aspect of that. So we want to make sure that our partners are, are there, our team is there, and all the, all the projects can just, you know, get different levels of support, saying that for the 10th time. But I think this is, this is super important. So, so, you know, some changes, but the EFP stays. And whether that's whatever the form will be, I mean, the teams can be sure that they can, if they are planning to build um, on Aleph Zero and if they have good idea and they want to make, uh, become a part of the ecosystem, we are here with our arms wide open. Yeah, it's more like a development of the program, right? Or it's... Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's maturing, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so I think that's all I had for you today. Uh, I don't know if you would like to share some words of your wisdom, guys, for the founders applying to the AFP? I can share some words of wisdom. I would say, take your time, like from a nerd's perspective, you know, make sure the code is correct, especially if you're coming from Web2, 
it's a very different landscape where the code seems easy, but uh, seems simple and, and the co code base is pretty small, but uh, it's actually very, very crucial to get it right. Yeah. Right? And you usually have just one shot to get it right on the mainnet. So be very careful, spend a lot of time testing, don't rush things. And uh, yeah, and let us help you if you're <laughs> in the EFP. Okay, that's a wrap. Uh, thank you, Magda and Piotr, for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us here. Yeah, great to have you here. I bet we will meet at some point again. Uh, maybe it sounds like a threat, but yeah, let's do that. We're going to slay the threat. Let's slay the threat. Uh, all right, as always, I encourage our listeners to like, subscribe, and leave reviews for our podcast. It means really a lot to us and gives us the visibility and see you next time on the other video podcast. Mm -hmm.